This week's sponsor is absolutely perfect for true crime fans, especially those of us that love a twisty, turny murder mystery. June's Journey is a game set in the Roaring Twenties. June's sister Claire and her husband Harry were found dead, and June is certain that they've been murdered. Now she must travel to New York, where her sister's estate was, to look after her niece and solve the mystery of Claire's death. You go along the journey with June, searching for hidden objects in different locations from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris, uncovering hidden clues to solve the mystery as you go. I'm already on chapter six and the mystery has gotten so good. I cannot wait to uncover more clues. I'm also loving how you get to customize your very own luxurious estate island. That's right. Let your imagination run wild as you decorate your island with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. My pool is literally insane. It has a waterfall. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mogab, it's, this episode is going to come out on Thanksgiving. So happy well, Thanksgiving, everybody. Gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> I don't know why I just said that. You want to hear my authentic turkey sound? Yes. <laughs> so, happy Thanksgiving. I know that it's like a weird time with COVID-19 and everything. And so I hope that those of you that are able to be with your family or with your family and those of you that are not, I hope that this uh, episode brings you much joy today. <laughs> Nothing like a con artist to bring the joy. Exactly. Okay, so shall we dive in? Yes, but can I tell you something first? Yeah. Thanks to you, I went to bed last night with a weighted golf club next to my nightstand. (laughs) I was like, what can I do? A knife? I'm not that bold. And so I went down to the garage and we have like a golf club that's really, really heavy. It's like weighted. And I was like, perfect. I know how to swing this. Just like, okay, here we go. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mogab, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Creepers under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. 
Creepers under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Anna Delvey, one of the greatest con artists of our generation, which is saying a lot since millennials can claim Billy McFarland from Firefest and Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos, both of which I want to cover eventually because they I love a good scam story. And this is definitely a good scam story. Ooh, I'm pumped. I yeah. did watch the Firefest documentaries a while back. So you know, good. I'm not a big, and Ooh, this one, I love a good con artist. Mm. So this one, actually, Shonda Rhimes is making a show with Netflix about her, and I'm pretty sure they're actually in production now, so it should be coming out within the next year, which I am really excited about. Well, I'm deep in watching, this is like, I know outdated, but you know how, you know how quick I am on the TV game. (laughs) Well, I'm watching White Collar right now. I love White Collar. I watched that 10 years ago when it was on TV. Well, I'm on season two. Mm. I've actually, I've actually seen that show twice through. It's, um, it's super fun. Again, good con artist show. Yeah, I know. So I'm going to use some of my like skills to see if I can piece this together. Some of your knowledge from White Collar. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's not an art thief, but um, she, uh, God, she's something else. All right. I got information for this from about a thousand articles, but the majority of my information came from the article in New York Magazine by Jessica Prester called How Anna Delvey Tricked New York and the Vanity Fair article by Rachel Williams called My Misadventures with the Magician of Manhattan. Uh, and I'll list uh, the full sources in the show notes. All right. So in 2017, Anna Delvey was 26 years old and a New York socialite. She was seen around town throwing $100 bills as tips for cab drivers, picking up exorbitant tabs at fancy restaurants, ordering bottle service at clubs. She was at every exclusive party in New York, rubbing elbows with the rich, the famous, and the other children of the 1%. She was a German heiress, the daughter of a German diplomat, or maybe he was an oil executive, or was he a solar panel magnet? It's really hard to say, as she told different people different things. Regardless, she clearly had a substantial trust fund, and she blew through money like it would never run out. Sounds like me the time I tipped $20 on my 99-cent margarita at Grins Ooh. in college and oh. was bawling. Were you just bawling. feeling flush with cash? You were like... Yeah, until then I had to like awkwardly ask for change back because I was intoxicated, and I was like, <laughs> this is my money for the week. <laughs> and it was embarrassing. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, that That is embarrassing. (laughs) Tip your waiters, people. Maybe not. Yeah, and don't then ask for it back. What would that be, like (laughs) 2,000%? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know math. (laughs) Uh, She'd been living in New York off and on for about four years at this point, since around 2013, Uh, moving to New York from Paris, where she'd been interning at the high-end European art magazine called Purple, And now she was in New York living at 11 Howard, which is an upscale boutique hotel paying around $12,000 a month for the room alone. And this was a mid-level room. Okay. She wasn't in like the princess suite. This room was about $400 a month. Did it have a waterbed? It didn't. It didn't. (laughs) It's not luxury in my eyes. (laughs) Like I said, Mogab, it was not the nicest room at the motel. This was- Got it. Or the, this is a hotel. (laughs) Oh, it is. 
Uh, there, she made friends with the concierge, who was a 25-year-old woman named Nefetari Davis, and she went by Neff. Neff says Anna would visit her often at the concierge desk, slipping her $100 bills as she asked her advice on restaurants and the cool places to go, until Neff realized that Anna already knew where the hotspots were, and it seemed to her that Anna just wanted a friend, somebody to talk to. Though Anna seemed to know everyone, she was always at the best parties. She would host dinner parties at fancy restaurants for CEOs, artists, athletes, even celebrities. It seemed she didn't have anyone that she was really close with. Anna would bring food or wine down and sit near the concierge desk to chat with Neff while she was working. Neff really started seeing Anna as a friend, but she wasn't turning down the hundreds of dollars Anna would slip her for things like getting priority in her line. Anna even offered to fund the movie Neff wanted to make. Neff said Anna was the type of guest that would make employees fight over her, like who would get to deliver her packages to her room because she had a reputation for being really generous and you knew that you were getting a $100 tip if you brought up her packages. Hmm. She had stacks yeah. of shopping bags from designer stores in her hotel room and she'd take Neff for things like foot massages, manicures, cryotherapy, <sighs> you know, just the normal things one does. Wait, what year is this? Sorry. This is 2017. Okay. Oh, all right. She wore really expensive clothes. She'd talk about the private jets she recently flown in. She regularly went to Christian Zamaro for $400 full eyelash extensions or $140 touch-ups here and there. She went to the best salons for her haircuts and colors. Neff tells this story about how one day Anna brought Neff to like a personal training session with her. Personal trainer slash life coach. Let me mm. clarify who worked with celebrity clients. And after the session, Neff says Anna bought a package of sessions for $4,500 in cash. Uh, okay. <laughs> but Anna Delvey had dreams. She didn't just want to be a German trust fund heiress flittering away in New York at fabulous parties or exclusive clubs. Why not? <laughs> she wanted a purpose in life. She wanted to build a nightclub slash bar slash dynamic <laughs> visual art center dedicated to contemporary art. Oh, I thought she was going to like feed the world's hungry or something. But no, she wanted cool. to open the nightclub slash bar slash dynamic visual art center dedicated to contemporary <laughs> art, Mogab. Got it. The center for kids who can't read good. <laughs> and what was the rest of it? And can't do, and other, do things other things good, good too. <laughs> She's Zoolander. She wanted to have locations in New York, London, LA, Hong Kong, and Dubai. She mm. wanted to call it the Anna Delvey Foundation, but she was worried that was maybe too narcissistic. No. Neff, as the concierge at the hotel, started arranging business lunches and dinners for her at these really nice New York restaurants. She started, she started meeting with big names in the food and beverage world to talk about plans for her art center, which included three restaurants, a juice bar, and a German bakery. Love a good juice bar. Am I allowed to Google image her? Because all I'm picturing right now for some reason is Lauren Conrad. That's the face I have. <laughs> Google so her. I yeah, Google her. Her artists and celebrity studded dinner parties began to turn into parties for rich old men. And even at one point, Martin Shkreli, do you know who that is? No. What if I said pharma bro? Would you know who that is? That's. <laughs> I love playing no. this game with you. <laughs> I hate this game. So Martin Shkreli- He's called the Pharma Bro. He inflated the price of an AIDS drug. So he bought this like pharmacy company, inflated oh. the price of an AIDS drug from $13 a pill to $750 a pill. 
and then tried to make this excuse about it, how, well, it's insurance companies that's going to pay the extra money and da, 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 da. And it's like, yeah, if you have insurance, like if you can afford insurance, maybe, but you know, as is life in America, not everybody can. So, yeah. So at one point, Martin Shkreli is at one of her dinner parties and Anna introduced him to Neff as a dear friend, but Martin wrote on the letter from prison, because that's where he is right now, assuring the author of the New York Magazine article that they only met the one time. (laughs) So even Martin Shkreli is trying to say, nope, I didn't really know her. (laughs) Nope, not, mm mm-mm. He did say that she seemed to be really popular with, uh, or that she seemed to be a really popular woman about town. And she said, or he said that she made him feel like a computer geek next to her. People say she wasn't very charming and even that she was socially inept, but they also say that she could hold court at these dinners. So it's really hard to kind of pin down who Anna Delvey was and what she what she was like because- Well, f- from my initial Google search- and this is obviously me being very judgy. She looks socially awkward. Yeah. And it's crazy to me when we get into everything that she was able to do, you would think that this person would have to have unbelievable social skills, just like charming. And so I, it's very confusing to me how she was able to do what she did. Yeah. She then told people that she'd secured the lease on a 45,000 square feet building occupying six floors of the historic church missions house, which is a gorgeous landmarked building on the corner of Park Avenue and 22nd Street. Well, I think you misspoke because I think you meant to say 4,500. No, I did not. (laughs) I did not, Mogab. It is 45,000 square feet. What? Um, I'm, it, it never said how much that cost, but I did look up like office space next door. I like went on Zillow and looked up how much that would cost to lease the office space, like right next door. So same area and, uh, same like size. And it was about $300,000 a month for similar square footage. Okay. No big deal. This building, the Church Missions House, it happened to be owned by Abby Rosen, and who's he's the same guy that owned Eleven Howard, the hotel that Anna was living in. Anna said that this was not a coincidence, and that Rosen was helping her to secure the lease, and that's why she was staying at the hotel. Okay, that makes sense. Even someone of Anna's substantial wealth could not afford that by herself, and she didn't like the idea of investors telling her what to do. So she applied for a twenty-two million dollar loan. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I would like $22 million, please. She found a firm to help her and they vouched for her that she had the resources to back up this loan. Different articles said she claimed she had 60 million euros tied up in a trust abroad. There were issues though with her money being tied up in this European trust fund. She had to wait till she was 25 before she could get full access to it. And until Wait, then, how old is she? So in 2017, she was uh, 26. But I think when she was trying to secure this loan, I think it had been like a couple of years before that. I remember you did say that at the beginning, but that is shocking. <laughs> I oh know. my God. I'm 33 and like, whatever. We won't get into my personal you finances. But- you couldn't go to the bank and get a $22 million loan? Like, what are you even doing? No. <laughs> I know. I, now I'm sure that someone will DM me and tell me that if I sell their skincare product or something else that I could. No MLMs, please. MLMs. No MLMs, please. 
Okay, so she had to wait till she was 25 before she get full access to it. Not really sure how old she is at this point. And until then, she was on a very small $30,000 a month allowance, which is really unfortunate. I don't know how one survives on $30,000 a month. She must have to ask for her tips back. (laughs) (laughs) But she didn't always have easy access to it, to this $30,000 a month allowance. That was okay, though. Her Swiss bank, UBS, would send a letter of credit to the bank that she was trying to get a loan with, which was City National. And City National requested her statements from UBS and instead received an email from some guy named Peter Henneke, who sent them some figures and told them to just use those figures for their projections for now, and that he'd send the physical statements in a few days. And so City National is like, "Um, excuse me, uh, are you from UBS? And Anna replied instead of Peter. And she said, no, Peter is the head of her family office. And so City National was like, Loan request denied. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. But then Anna told everybody that it was a management decision. So Hmm. it seemed she had these kind of issues a lot, getting access to her trust fund money. She did things that would be really weird for a wealthy heiress. Like she asked her friends to put a taxi to the airport on their credit card or to crash on their couch every now and then. Or she one time asked to move in with somebody and split the rent and then just never paid them for the rent. But other times, she's buying her friends $400 t-shirts, picking up the tabs at lavish restaurants and bars, and giving out $100 bills and tip money. This makes no sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't. And it's funny because people would like excuse it as, oh, when you're so rich, you might not understand that your $1,200 a month in rent is like my whole life. But to you, it might just not be nothing, you know? Right. And so they but kind of would explain it that way. Well, and it definitely sounds like her money is coming and going. Like at certain, it's not like the steady flow, obviously. Like there's right. times when she is a broke joke if she can't get the right. cab fare. Like she can't even get a cab fare. She has to crash. Yes. And she made friends with this guy, Michael Zufu Huang, who was described as this extremely young, the word dapper was used to mm-hmm. describe him. He was a collector and founder of Beijing's M. Woods Museum, and she suggested to him that they go to the Venice Biennale together, which is like a contemporary visual arts exhibit in or exhibition in Venice. She asked him to put the plane tickets on his credit card, which he thought was weird since she was the one who suggested they go. And it seemed that she just forgot later that she never paid him back for the flights. And he says he wasn't really worried about it because it was only like two or $3,000. Oh, God. It's <laughs> Gotta like, get better friends. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, Kristen, we need to go to the Venice Biennale. Yeah. Please no, just I'm just trying tickets. to lay on a beach <laughs> oh. in Bora Bora <laughs> and you need to buy that plane ticket. Okay. 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 Be a better friend. It's- and it's okay if you don't pay me back because it's only like two or $3,000 to get there. It's fine. Yeah, it's I don't intend on paying you back. <laughs> So, meanwhile, we split $5 pitchers of sangria. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those $5 pitchers of sangria are legit, though. Yeah. Um, Okay, but back to your er earlier point. Michael said that he noticed that she paid cash the entire time they were in Venice. So, not only does she have these cash flow problems, she's paying cash most of the time. So Michael isn't too concerned about Anna paying him back, but then he gets this message on Instagram from a restaurant after Anna had thrown her birthday there. She'd even hired a PR firm to put together the party, but it seems she'd forgotten 
to pay the bill at the restaurant. The restaurant <laughs> saw a picture of Anna and Michael together and they reached out to Michael to see if she had or to see if he had her contact information. And it was then that Michael realized, oh my God, she's not legit. Ooh. Meanwhile, it's full steam ahead for Anna and her plan to open the center for kids who can't read good and can't yeah. do other things good to her but parents. This is like dining and dashing. How's she going to open <laughs> a thing? With this t- loan that she has to get, she's still got to get oh, a loan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Her parties had almost died completely out as she turned all of her focus onto her business. She was constantly making angry phone calls to her lawyers as things were not going her way. Neff noticed Anna's friend circle had dwindled down to just her, that trainer slash life coach she'd brought the session package with, with that I'd mentioned earlier, who we'll be talking about a lot and we'll be referring to only as the trainer, because that's how she's referred to in every article about her. So I assume she like just didn't agree to like let her name be out there. Yeah, but also not a friend if you're paying her to talk to you. Right, right. That's another business partner. Right. And then also a photo editor for Vanity Fair named Rachel Williams. She had met Anna in 2016 at a club she was at with some fashion friends. Anna showed up. She bought bottle service for the group. She was attentive and interested when Rachel talked about her job. Rachel said she really liked Anna. So Rachel ended up writing an article about Anna for Vanity Fair. And Rachel said, the world was charmed when she was around. The normal rules didn't seem to apply. Her lifestyle was full of convenience and its easy materialism was seductive. Rachel described Anna as haughty without taking herself too seriously, which again seems to contradict each other. Like, how can you be haughty but also not taking yourself too seriously? Right. Um, She also said she was quirky and eccentric and unapologetically ambitious, and Rachel admired her. I'm just going to come out and say it. I feel like she sounds like a sociopath, but... (laughs) Yeah, it's... Because I don't think she's a sociopath... But she definitely has a personality disorder, for sure. But there are certain things that she did that show maybe she felt bad. She just thought, like, she's going to get this contemporary art center, and she's going to be able to make all this money from it, and then she'll be able to pay everybody back, and it'll be fine. So Rachel really admired Anna, but there were some things about her that just did not make sense. Like I said, seemed to be a walking contradiction. Neff says that Abby Rosen's son, Charlie, remember Abby Rosen is the guy that owns the building she's trying to lease and the hotel she's staying at. Um, Neff says that his son, Charlie, came by 11 Howard to visit. Neff mentioned Anna's art center to Charlie, who said he'd never heard of Anna. And he made a good point to Neff. If she was staying there as a client of his father's, why wasn't she up in a suite? You know, Anna was just in the mid le- the mid range room. If she was there as like this guest of his father who owns the hotel, this giant real right. estate mogul in New York, why wouldn't she be up in a suite? So Neff asked Anna about this, and Anna said that you know she'd asked for she'd asked Rosen just for too many favors, and she was trying to just pay him back with her silence of being acceptable in this mid range room in squalor. Apparently. <laughs> God. The poor popper in the yeah. in the four hundred dollar a night room, as opposed to I don't even want to know what the suites cost. And Neff accepted this excuse, and she didn't think much more of it. Mm. Then Neff and Anna went to dinner at an expensive restaurant in Manhattan, and it was just the two of them, which was unusual. And when it came time to pay the bill, Anna's credit card was declined. <gasps> so then she 
she hands the waiter a written list of like 12 credit card numbers that she had written down on this piece of paper. Or maybe it was like on a notes app in her phone. And the waiter went back and he tried all of these numbers and none of them worked. And so Neff is sitting there. Remember, Neff is a concierge at a hotel. She is not some rich socialite. She is probably barely making it by in New York. So she's sitting there and she's getting really nervous because she knows Mm. that she's going to get stuck with this bill, which luckily was less than $300, but that is still a lot of money. It's far less than what they usually spent. Yeah. But it was a lot for Neff. And so she was really upset, but then she was felt guilty for feeling upset because Anna had spent so much money on her throughout the whole friendship. yeah. Yeah. Right. And then Anna ended up paying her back triple the next day. And so again, Neff just brushed the incident off. She got paid back triple what she had paid. So everything was fine. And at that point, you're thinking like, okay, this probably isn't a money issue. Like something must have been wrong with the credit card. If all of a sudden the next day she has triple the amount. Like I wouldn't think she's broke, you know? Exactly. And I think it really worked in Anna's favor that she was from Europe. Yeah. Like when I go to Texas, I got to remind Bank of America not to shut my shit off every time. Exactly. You know, like I can't imagine. Exactly. Yeah. You have to call your bank. You have to like, yeah. And Anna will say later, like she doesn't do that. She doesn't call her bank when she travels. So, you know, Mm -hmm. but then 11 Howard, her manager at 11 Howard called Neff and said that they didn't have a credit card on file for Anna. The hotel was really new when Anna arrived, and she'd been a client of the owner, and so therefore she was a very valuable guest. So they'd accepted a wire transfer. But now Uh she'd been there six weeks, no wire transfer had ever come, and she owed the hotel $30,000. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that $30,000 was for her room and all the charges that she would just charge the room from the fancy lunches and dinners that she would have at the hotel restaurant. (laughs) Neff asked Anna about it, who said the wire transfer was on the way. And later that day, Anna sent a case of 1975 Dom Perignon to Neff and told her to share it with the employees. And her manager said they could not accept the gift until they had their money. And so I actually had looked up how much a case of 1975 Dom Perignon would cost because I have no idea. Like, I know that Dom Perignon is like an expensive champagne, but I have no idea how much it would cost. And it's nowhere near that amount. Like, it's like, okay. a, it's not a, like- a couple thousand dollars or like, a th- I think it's $300 a bottle. So it's not even like that crazy mm. expensive for a bottle. Not saying I would pay three hundred dollars yeah. for a pot like that would be expensive to me, but you sure, know, it you tastes just-, just like the Andre. <laughs> and I do think that there might be other Dom Perignon that is like more expensive. Again, I don't know anything about that world. I get my like top shelf eleven ninety nine, and I'm fancy, you know. <laughs> okay, again, five dollar sangria pitchers. Yeah, so. and like me and my friends, we think thirty dollar bottles of wine are like really expensive. Like we're like, oh, she drinks thirty bottles of wine, thirty dollar bottles of wine, like. <laughs> She drinks the good stuff. Um, So a few weeks went by and miraculously, Eleven Howard got a wire transfer from Citibank for $30,000 on behalf of Anna Delvey. And Anna was back to buying her friend's expensive gifts. But Anna still hadn't given the hotel a credit card to keep on file. She continued racking up charges to her room. And so while Anna was away at this conference in Omaha one in which she'd hired a private jet to take her to. 
The hotel changed the codes on her door and put all her things <gasps> in storage. Yeah. Stop it. They were like, oh, we're that, yeah, I am out. loving that. <laughs> That's a whole mood. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, also though, what conference is she going to in Nebraska? Oh no offense to all of our listeners in Nebraska. Like, no offense. I'm there just was a, confused. A lot of information on this conference that I found very boring and like not that relevant, but it was it was an investors conference. Like Bill Gates was there. Like she even says like her and her friend that that was there with her, they went and snuck into this like fancy reception that they saw through a window and they saw Bill Gates was there and all these other people and also, why are you having to sneak in? This was like an exclusive reception for the rich. But yeah, exactly. Anna was furious when she returned to the hotel. She told Neff she'd bought web domains in all the managers' names and emailed them all to say that she'd sell them back to them for a million dollars each. She'd <laughs> gotten the, that tip from Martin Shkreli, the pharma bro, after he'd done something similar to journalists who criticized him in the press. He would buy web domains in their names and then mock them on the pages and then sell the web domains back to them when things got too bad. Okay. He's a great He's a great guy. He's a really great guy. But after that, she didn't seem too chuffed. She was going on vacation to Morocco. And when she got back, she was going to move out of Eleven Howard. But I'm like, they already moved you out. So yeah, you're you were ex- <laughs> you know I almost said expelled, evicted. So this trip to Morocco. Let's talk about this trip to Morocco. This was at an opulent hotel in a seven thousand dollar a night villa that Anna had booked. It was to be an all expenses paid trip for the friends that she invited, which were Neff, her trainer slash life coach. Rachel Williams and a photographer friend of Rachel's that Anna wanted to come like do a documentary on the making of this contemporary art center. Neff ended up not being able to go. She knew she couldn't get the time off work and she was just devastated. There was a minor mix up with the airline tickets. Raise your hand if you're surprised. (laughs) So Rachel ended up putting the flights on her credit card with Anna promising to pay her back, but she did that all the time for work stuff. So she didn't really think much of it. What is it? It's always like travel, I feel like, is a reoccurring theme here. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. And so, Anna, this is, this is the part to me that is the most sociopathic because Anna came up with this whole trip. She was the one that wanted to take her friends to Morocco. She was the one that picked out this $7,000 a night villa, you know, and she was just doing it because she just wanted to get away. And... Let's see what happens. Okay. (laughs) So they arrived in Marrakesh to a VIP service that was sent by the hotel and it ushered them through customs, took them to their private villa that had three bedrooms, a private pool, a courtyard, and a private butler. Anna told them that it had all already been paid for in advance and they were all very excited. Again, these are not people accustomed to this kind of lifestyle. It's a personal trainer, a photo editor, and a photographer. Like, you can make really good money at all of those, but you can't make the kind of money that's going to pay for $7,000 a night villas, you know? Yeah. None of them had that kind of money for a trip like this. I feel like they're about to need to. Mm. So Anna took them shopping, but she'd forgotten to tell her bank that she was traveling. So her credit Mm. card was declined. She promised to pay Rachel back. So Rachel reluctantly paid for the items when they were shopping and she was keeping track of the receipts. She started keeping track of a lot of receipts. Ooh. The trainer became sick and after a few days stuck in bed all day, she asked Rachel to help her make arrangements to leave and Rachel booked a flight on the trainer's credit card. 
She called the hotel to request a cab to the airport, but instead of a cab, two men from the hotel showed up. Rachel had seen them the day before, and there'd apparently been some mix-up with the hotel bill, but Anna had called her bank and had it all sorted out. Hmm, of course. Only she hadn't. Rachel called the concierge again to request a car and said that only one person was leaving, not the entire party. So they did send a car for her. But basically the hotel was like, these girls are trying to leave. Right. Can't let them leave without paying. So Rachel assured them it was just this one person who was sick. She was trying to get to the airport. So they did send a car and let the trainer leave. The others were all stuck in this villa with these two men from the hotel. Oh my God. I would kill you. No. No, you would more than kill me when all is said and done. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around stressors, big and small. For me, this comes in the form of work, too many deadlines, relationships with people, irrational fears of the future. When we keep them bottled up, it can really start to affect us negatively, mentally and physically. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. My therapist has really been helping me work on coping skills for how to handle my stress, how to handle day-to-day tasks that I struggle with, as well as working on communicating and improving personal relationships and just talking through problems with somebody who understands. It's something I wish I'd started ages ago. But finding a therapist is so overwhelming. Are they taking new patients? Are they taking insurance? And once you find one that says yes to both of those, are they a good fit? If not, you have to start the process all over again. If they are a good fit, you've got to figure out some way to fit appointments into your busy schedule. But BetterHelp takes away all of those barriers, and I'm so thankful. I love my therapist. I really feel like they took my questionnaire that I filled out when I signed up and really used it to match me to the perfect person. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Creepers today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Creepers. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine, but the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. They said a man had been fired for failing to get a working credit card on file before they arrived. They insisted a card be put on file. 
Anna and the men pressured Rachel to put her Amex down while Anna figured out the issue with her bank. And they told Rachel they only needed it as a block for the reservation, not for the final bill. They could settle that later. Her card would not be charged. Rachel was sick to her stomach about it. She had $400 in her checking account at the time, which same, just got the alert. I have $400 in my checking account. But also like to have like a credit card to put a hold on, like you wouldn't even have to have enough available credit. Like, Well, this is an Amex. It's her Vanity Fair company card. So I'm guessing, yikes, I'm guessing the limit. I'm guessing she has an unlimited limit on this card. Yeah. So Rachel is sick about this. She has 400 in her checking, but she'd seen Anna spend so much money. Like she'd been with her when she's buying all these expensive dinners, you know, thousands of dollars of dinners and buying these expensive things. So she knew she was good for it, but Rachel still left Marrakesh the next day before Anna and the videographer friend. Anna told her that she would wire her $70,000 to make sure that it was all covered. And that's when Rachel realized Anna intended to keep Rachel's card on file and use it for the final bill. A total of $62,000. Like, <laughs> I, that is more than I make in a year. It was more than Rachel made in a year also. And she still had those flights on her credit card as well. She'd also put the flights for all of them on her credit card, which yeah. can't be cheap for four people to fly to Morocco and Anna doesn't fly coach. Okay. So I'm okay. sure they were not yeah, flying coach. I figured. Anna did keep in touch almost daily, but the wire transfer never came. Rachel says it became a full-time job trying to seek reimbursement for this trip. Anna's excuses were getting weird and nonsensical, and Rachel grew resentful. Her stress uh, level. To say the least? To say the I mean, I... Listen, I'm I thinking, owe Texas State University about that much, and I went there for five years. <laughs> not okay. seven days? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And her stress level rose to an almost unmanageable state, and she began to unravel. The trainer, who had no idea about any of this at the time, said that Anna called her sobbing from a hotel in Casablanca, where she'd gone after leaving Morocco, saying her credit cards weren't working and they were threatening to arrest her. In Africa. Like, (laughs) I could not imagine. Yikes. She asked for help, but when neither her credit card, like the trainer's credit card, nor a friend of the trainer's credit card, none of them would go through, the hotel conceded that the problem might be on their end. So Anna got lucky. That's the assumption? Not just that everyone's broke? (laughs) That was like my thought. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No. The trainer booked a flight back to New York for Anna, who thanked her and asked her to make sure it was first class. Like, girl, you about to sit your ass in the exit row. You're about to be lucky if you get the exit row, okay? Like, I'll just stuff your ass in my suitcase. <laughs> when Anna arrived back to New York, she moved into another upscale Manhattan hotel, the Beekman. Oh, I said the Belvedere earlier. It's the Beekman. But her money troubles followed her. Not only did she owe the 11 Howard Hotel, but the guy that had done the branding for her art center had been waiting a year for his $22,000 payment. This is He emailed Peter Henneke, you know, Anna's financial advisor, but received an email back from Anna herself saying that Peter had died and to please refrain from contacting or mentioning him in the future. 
Oh, okay, um, of course. Yeah, because Peter turns out Peter's made up. <laughs> he died because he was never alive. <laughs> a month after the trip, she told Rachel she'd picked up a cashier's check from the bank for her and would deposit into an account the next day. Rachel was skeptical. And so she went to Anna's room at the Beekman the next morning and just demanded the check. Just give it to me. I don't need you doing it in my account for me. No. And I don't need to wait a day. Like, give it to me now. But Anna's room was a complete disaster mess. And she starts searching for it in her room and said she must have left it in the Tesla that she'd rented when she traveled back from upstate the day before. Yeah. You just misplace a check for $70,000. Right. Like we, like one, and it's not a check, you know, it's a cashier's check supposedly. Right. So it's not like you could cancel the check. Like this is a cash. It's basically cash, you know? Right. So she called the Tesla company and then she called her lawyer's office, all trying to track down this check. And Rachel refused to leave. She followed Anna around all day while she went from fancy meal to fancy meal Rachel barely spoke to Anna the whole day, mostly just spent the day sending emails for work on her phone, but she kept an eye on Anna the whole time. Yes, Rachel, I'm here for this. She is all of us. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm not leaving without my $70,000 you stole from me. She ended up staying until 11 p.m. just to prove a point, and when she left, saying she'd be back at 8 a.m. the next morning so they could go to the bank together, Anna said, okay, I hope you had fun at least. my god i want to drop kick this girl yeah rachel told her no that none (laughs) of this was okay and walked out yeah zero fun when she returned the next morning anna was gone (sighs) rachel knew then i think what she'd already known for the past month but then it was just slapping her in the face she knew then that anna was not to be trusted and she kicked herself for not realizing it sooner She went to the police, but they said since it happened in Morocco, there was a jurisdictional issue and told her, this is what the police told her. With your face, you could start a GoFundMe. Oh, my God. That's terrible. It's awful. Oh, my God. Apart from that, the cop said, try civil court. Rachel went outside (sighs) and just sobbed. But as soon as she was done sobbing, she walked straight into the civil court. That's right, girl. Yeah. She was told the money involved surpassed the financial limit for civil court. Oh, yeah, it would. Yeah, I looked it up and the limit is like 25000 25. in New York. Yeah. Meanwhile, Anna had been kicked out of the Beekman for failing to pay the $12,000 she owed them. And all of her possessions had been detained. They didn't just yes, put it in storage. They seem to move qu- quicker than the Howard. They did. Yes, much quicker. But I think it's because the Howard was under the assumption that she was a guest of the the owner, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it took them a little longer to really catch on to her. Plus they were new. Like she moved into the hotel when they were pretty new. So I think that's another reason. So then she moved down to the W Hotel, but they caught on to her within two days and kicked her out. She was then arrested on misdemeanor charges while trying to dine and dash. Yes. Which was just super embarrassing for her. Yeah. And now she was effectively homeless. She tried to stay at the trainer's apartment, but after one night, the trainer drew a boundary with Anna. She'd even tried the whole, I forgot my laptop at your place bit to try to come back, but the trainer was having none of it. She saw the laptop, knew that's what Anna would try and do, marched it straight down to her front um, desk people and and left it there for her. Smart. Um, So Anna did come by 
to pick up the laptop and was none too happy that it had been left at the front desk for her. So she she asked to see the trainer and the guy at the front desk told Anna that the trainer was out, which is what she'd requested that he tell her when she came. So Anna said she'd wait. So she waited in the lobby all day. The trainer was basically trapped in her own apartment. (laughs) Then Anna called Rachel asking to stay with her. Oh my God, this this is wild. Rachel said no, obviously, but when Anna started crying and saying that she just couldn't be alone right now, Rachel caved, but she said she could not stay, but she let her come over. Of course, she stayed sleeping yeah. on the couch. Yeah. So the trainer got in touch with Rachel and it's it because it seemed to me like they weren't really friends, like they didn't really know each other very well. Right. But- At this point, the trainer gets in touch with Rachel, and along with another friend, they decide to have an intervention for Anna. They confronted her about everything, but Anna stuck to the story she'd been telling them. She really was a German heiress, you guys. She seemed to be much more upset about a recent article about her in the New York Post calling her a wannabe socialite. She was very upset. She said, I do not want to be a socialite. I want to be taken seriously with my Manhattan... Contemporary Visual Arts Center slash club slash bar slash no German one cares bakery about slash your... juice bar. <laughs> <laughs> what even is this place? Enough said. <laughs> Anna said she'd have enough money to pay them back just as soon as she signed the lease for her art center. At which the trainer, just completely frustrated, yells at her that the building has been rented by a Swedish center for contemporary arts. And she showed her an article to prove it. Wait, a different art center? A different art center. The Swedish art center rented it. Anna looks at the article and says, that's fake news. (laughs) I've heard that before. Mm, Somewhere. Uh, Rachel didn't say much. Like, through this whole intervention, Rachel mostly stayed quiet. She just watched as Anna's expression turned from crying to just completely blank and expressionless. Rachel had tears streaming down her face the entire time. She knew Anna didn't have the money. She knew she'd never get her money back. And she knew what she had to do now. She emailed. Kill her. (laughs) Send an email to the New York County District Attorney's Office, telling them that she's pretty sure that Anna Delvey is a con artist. They call her back within an hour and tell her, we think you're right. An assistant district attorney told her Anna Delvey's real name is Anna Sorokin, and she'd been under investigation for some time. Ooh. So who is Anna Sorokin, and how did she manage to trick everyone into believing she was the heiress to a large fortune? Sorokin was born in 1991 in a Russian working-class town. Her father, oh. was a, yeah, her father was a truck driver. Her mother owned a small convenience store before becoming a housewife, and her father says he has no knowledge of any trust fund. <laughs> Okay, I just want to clarify why I made that noise real quick because it sounded like I did that because she was Russian and it's not. I've just been watching a lot of 90 Day Fiance <laughs> and the three people on there that are scamming these men for money are from Ukraine and Russia. And I just just wanted to clarify that that's where my mind went. Right. That is all. 90 Day Fiance. <sighs> when Anna was 16, the family moved to Germany where she struggled to learn German. Hint. Don't claim you're a German heiress if you don't speak the language very well. 
Yeah, wait, did she not? I just assumed she did. No, she was Russian. So, my God. Okay. I got really confused on this part because I thought that the New Yorker article said that she picked up German really quickly, but then all these other articles were saying that she really struggled to learn the language. And I was like, who is right? So then I had to look up this vocabulary word from the New Yorker article and realize that I had misunderstood and did not know what that word meant. So you're not fluent in English is what you're saying? (laughs) I need to work on my English. But apparently she did have a German accent or maybe she faked it really well. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. Yeah. After she graduated high school, Anna moved to Paris where she did intern at Purple Magazine. This is where her alter ego, Anna Delvey, was born. In New York, though, is where the real con started. She falsified documents showing that she had, and this is in 2017, okay? This is not like 1900 when it was like, you could just like write it on a post-it and like, you're good, you know? (laughs) Like... It is not as easy to falsify documents. I'm loving that this is starting in 2017. Like the stuff, you know, that we've been doing has been earlier. And I'm like, this was three years ago. Like this is, like this basically happened yesterday. I know. I can't wait. So she falsified documents showing that she had 60 million euros in er international accounts. In 2016, she took those documents to City National Bank trying to get that $22 million loan for her art center. And when City denied that loan... She brought those documents to Fortress Investment Group in Midtown. They agreed to consider the loan if Anna gave them $100,000 for due diligence expenses. So like meaning they need to vet her, they need to do all of these things, and they need that $100,000 to do that. If she gives them that, they will consider her $22 million loan. So on January 12th, 2017, about a month before she returned to New York and moved into 11 Howard. So this is like before she met Neff, kind of before our story really started, about a month before that. She was able to get, this is is wild how she did this. She was able to get a $100,000 loan from City National Bank when she convinced a representative to let her overdraft her account by promising to wire them funds shortly to cover the overdraft. She gave that money that Citibank just gave her to Fortress to get the $22 million loan. Fortress had used about half that money to verify her assets and complete the loan when Anna backed out after hearing they were sending representatives to Switzerland to verify her accounts. So they were going to physically send people from Fortress over to Switzerland to go to this bank to make sure she had these funds. And Anna was like, never mind. Um, so she just, didn't get that $22 million. She did not get the $22 million, But And now Chris, she's overdrawn $100,000. She's overdrawn $100,000. She doesn't really care about that at all. Because she withdrew herself from consideration and kept that remaining $55,000 that Fortress hadn't used yet. So they gave her that money back. So that was the money that she used to pay for Eleven Howard, the dinners, the personal training sessions, the shopping, her financial advisor, Peter Henneke, was completely made up to literally no one's surprise. $55,000 doesn't seem like enough. Well, I guess you're right. Like you're naming all these things and I'm like, that would have been gone quick. But as some of that stuff she like ran out on and then- And it like, was gone quick. Wasn't paying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So people see her spending all this money. They think she's rich. They say, oh, she's good for this because look how much money she's throwing around. So yeah. then when she doesn't have it, they're like, oh, I can cover you because I know you're good for it. You just have, you know, these um, foreign, foreign accounts. accounts that are, yeah. 
Then, okay, so here's how she got a little bit of more money. Within four days, Anna deposited $160,000 in bad checks into her Citibank account. She was able to transfer $70,000 of that before the checks bounced. She never paid the $35,000 for that private jet to Omaha that she had booked. Just never paid them for it. And I'm like, oh, can we just do that? (laughs) See, yeah, here's the problem is you're like talking about how she's like overdrawing her accounts and transferring it. I'm like, does this work? Because... (laughs) Which is like not okay. I mean, it works in the short term, but in the long term, you know. I know. I'm like anxious. I am like anxious and nauseous thinking about, and she obviously doesn't care, but like you have, like there's no going back. Like you've ruined your life. Like you are in debt more, like it makes my stomach hurt thinking about it. Yeah. So um, she transfers this uh, 70000 before these 160000 worth of um, bad checks bounce. Then she opens another bank account and deposits 15000 in bad checks, withdrawing about 8000 before the account was closed. So that's kind of what she was using to fund all of those things, like the parties, the dinner parties, the clubs, bottle service, all of that stuff. So she didn't have unlimited amounts of money. She was just pretending she did, basically. Anna was arrested on October 3rd, 2017 in Los Angeles and taken to Rikers in New York, where she was held without bail. She did PayPal $5,000 to Rachel, but that's all Rachel ever saw from her. Obviously, like 60,000? Yeah. Like she got five grand. She got five grand. Yep. And I think it was more like closer to 70,000. Obviously, that was the most that Anna could give her. She didn't have any money. And that is the one act where I feel like maybe she had a little bit of guilt and remorse because she did give that, was that probably five, all she had. That's all she had. Yeah. Um, okay. This is going to be your favorite part of this whole story. Okay. She used a courtroom stylist for her court appearances, and social media was abuzz with her courtroom fashion show. I remember following this when it was happening. You've no, got to look it up. I, there is an Instagram. You can't be correct because I Google imaged her, and I thought. There is an Instagram account called Anna Delvey Court Looks, and their profile picture is a picture of Miranda Priestley from The Devil Wears Prada. I need you to go find that Instagram account right now. On it. It's spectacular. She has this like black choker in almost all of them. Like, okay, wait, I made dresses. that cool in 2005. <laughs> that girl better not come from my looks. Yes. Wait, she had like a stylist? She had a courtroom stylist that she used okay, for court appearance. She was wearing this choker in 2019. I need everyone who made fun of me. No, that's it. <laughs> you were ahead of the times. It's just not really what you expect to see yeah. from like – I don't understand how these things are happening in the world and I don't know about them. I learned about Firefest like when the documentaries came out. Um, I just don't think you give a crap about pop culture in general until like somebody has the, the story for you wrapped up. It is like yeah. listen to the story and they're like, ooh, that's a good story. I don't, but, I don't care. Is that bad? I, I know. That's why we're doing this podcast, Mogab, to educate you. <laughs> So her attorney tried to paint her as this unlikely self-made success. In his opening statement, he said, in her world, this is what her social circle did. Everyone's life was perfectly curated for social media. People were fake. People were phony. And money was made on hype alone. He said she exploited a system easily seduced by glamour and glitz. 
and seeing how appearing wealthy could open doors and land anyone in the center of the New York social scene, she was just biding her time until her club opened up and she could repay everyone back. He said she had to fake it till she makes it. Of course, fake Instagram celebrities aren't using fake wire transfers to live in the nicest yeah. hotels. So she was convicted of eight counts of grand larceny to the tune of about $275,000. That's it, though? I mean, I, I know that's a lot, but I feel like... I feel like it's probably a very short than... amount of time, though, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She was doing this how long? I mean, she got caught quick. Yeah, I think it was just a couple of months. Like, she had been in New York off and on for years, but she didn't really start all of this, like trying to get this loan, overdrafting her account, depositing bad checks, making people pay for these fancy uh, vacations until like 2017. She was actually acquitted of stealing from Rachel. So she was not uh, found guilty on that. Anna's attorney said he didn't believe a criminal act occurred in Rachel's case. He said Rachel made a voluntary choice to put the debt on her credit card. She didn't have to. She wasn't forced to do it. She chose to do it. And that was a mistake. But Anna knew the whole time that she didn't have the money to cover the trip. She knew from the moment she invited them, from the moment she decided to go, that she didn't have the money to cover the trip. So what did she think was going to happen? Who did she think was going to pay for that? Did she think she was going to get out of Morocco, skip out on a bill like she'd done all that those times in New York? I mean, is that what she thought? Yeah. I mean, she definitely like screwed Rachel and I'm really, really sad and I think it's crappy, but I can see the judge, like, yeah, Rachel voluntarily put it on her card, which she should not have done. Legally, there's not a case there, but morally, it's like, no, she stole it. Like, she stole it from Rachel. She invited Rachel on this trip. So, yeah, Rachel did get to go on this, like, nice, fancy trip. You know, if you say you're going to pay So, I don't know. On one hand, I'm like, yeah, I guess don't go on a trip. You know, I don't know. Can you, so is she able to just like dispute the charges or no? Like this girl's still sitting here like slowly paying off the minimum amount on this like $70,000. Actually, she's fine because she wrote a book about Anna and about her friendship with Anna that sold for $300,000. So good for her. Yeah. Like good. Yeah. So she's but been able to pay off. That's that. only really like $230,000. <laughs> right, 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 right. But out of debt and she made a couple hundred thousand dollars. So I'm about to write a book about and that. And uh, that was just for the, the selling of the book. You know, she might be getting back end yeah. stuff on that too. So Anna was sentenced to four to 12 years in prison. She was fined $24,000 and has to pay $199,000 in restitution. And so I'm not really sure what the difference is between her fines and her restitution charge. I guess the fines go to the city and the yeah, restitution, restitution charges go to like the actual people that she stole from. Well, like four to 12 seems so like I'm thinking she'll probably do something like in the middle. Like I could see it being like eight, but I honestly I bet she does four. Like, I bet she does four years. Yeah. But that doesn't really seem that bad. That's what I'm saying. These white collar crimes do not get, you have, I mean, you have people in jail for decades for having like a joint on them. If it's their third Mm -hmm. offense, you know, back when there was the three Mm -hmm. strikes law, you know, but then you have Anna Delvey who, who steals, you know, all this money. And yeah, it was not millions of dollars. There are people that have stolen millions and millions of dollars. She's not one of them. Sure. Um, she could have been though. Like she could have been if she had managed to, um, but her stuff, I don't think she could have been actually. I think that she was bound to get caught 
sooner rather yeah. than later. The way that she was doing it was very short term. Um, <sighs> she was but, just a little PYT running around New York and like <laughs> exactly. But she has sold the rights to her life to Netflix for seventy thousand dollars plus a $15,000 consultant fee for each episode, plus a $7,500 royalty fee per episode. However, there is a law in New York called the Son of Sam Law, prohibiting criminals from profiting off the rights to their story. Um, It was enacted in 1977 after David Berkowitz, who was the Son of Sam. You know who the Son of Sam is? (laughs) A serial killer in New York in the 70s. He sold. I wasn't even alive then. Okay. Oh Jesus. (laughs) He uh, he sold his exclusive story rights, so they enacted this law to keep criminals from being able to do these horrific things and then make money off of it. Yeah. So a judge in New York has temporarily ordered Netflix not to pay Anna while they decide if she's going to be able to take the money or not. I don't know how they think they're going to get restitution money out of her if they don't allow her to take this money. Like they should. Let her take the money, ordering that it goes to her fines and restitution. Otherwise, that girl doesn't have a cent to her name. She, they're never like, going to see that Netflix money. Like, can Netflix just send the money to like Rachel and Peeps? It wouldn't be to like, Rachel. It would be to these hotels and these banks. But well, yeah. yeah. But like, can it just go to them and not go through? I mean, that's what I think. I don't know anything about financial law, really. But that's what that's what I think would make sense. Sell her life rights for our entertainment purposes. Yeah. Which I really need. Cause I really need this to be a show. I, I mean, it's going it. on They're They're filming it right now. I've seen production. Oh. I've seen a uh, production photos. So I know they're filming it and, um, and she's in it. It's not like a, um, no, no, it's not a documentary. It is a like fictionalized a- version of her. So Anna Delvey is basically thriving in prison in the New York oh. magazine article. She told the reporter, Jessica Prester, People seem to think it's horrible, but I see it as like this sociological experiment. (laughs) She's made friends in prison, most interested in the murderers, but she did meet an identity thief and was thrilled to learn how easy it is. So there's that. Oh, man. Because these people think she's going to get out and have all this money and that she's going to like, I don't know. If she hadn't been convicted, they would have deported her for overstaying her visa. So once she's released, she will be taken into ICE custody. I think one of the biggest questions that we talked about at the beginning, how did she manage to dupe all of these successful, smart people into footing the bill for this lifestyle that she wanted when she wasn't particularly beautiful or especially charming? There was this entire article I read about how Anna managed to appear rich by dressing sloppy, mostly in like hoodies and leggings. Yeah. uh, Kind of like what we talked about Coco Chanel had done. (laughs) How much money do you think I have right now? (laughs) You look like an Olsen twin. (laughs) Yes. But what she did was she used this distraction of shiny objects She threw enough money at people. They didn't look too hard when her stories started to sound weird or when these red flags would pop up. They always said the same thing. Like, I knew she was good for it. I'd seen her spend so much money like it was nothing. She was really generous with her money and very cavalier about how she spent it. Um, And that can seem really indicative of like the uber rich, you know? She used her connections from her time at Purple in Paris to get into the right social circles. And she used this perfect backstory of this European princess just waiting to come into her trust fund. I mean, it's it's literally like the Nigerian prince scam redone. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, 
hey, I'm going to come into my inheritance soon. I just, I just need you to give me this amount of money now and I'll pay you back double when I get my inheritance. You know, that's basically what she was doing. None of the people that she duped were incredibly wealthy, but they traveled in the circles of the wealthy due to their career in fashion or the arts or as the personal trainer to the stars. And so they were used to the idiosyncrasies that come with having like a ton of cash or a lot of money, they were able to write off her weird behavior or the odd things that would happen as, oh, that's just how super rich people act, you know? But let's be honest, you know, all these so-called friends of Anna's were transactional. You know, they Mm -hmm. wanted to be in her circle because it was exciting. It was filled with luxury vacations, expensive dinners, and so much shopping. I don't think Anna's a victim or anything, don't get me wrong, but I do think that she was a little lonely and a little out of touch with reality. And that she bought people with fake money. So what do you think about all that? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just processing at like how many people maybe do this and get away with it for much longer. And like how I could so easily be like bought into the like, yeah, I'll go with you here. I'll do this, whatever. And like, totally get screwed. I do think that when you don't have a lot of money. Correct. I do not. Right. When you find somebody that has access to private jets and these Mm -hmm. crazy, luxurious vacations that you literally could not do if you saved up your entire life for it, you would never be able to go on these. When somebody gives you access to things that you could never otherwise have right i can see that being incredibly seductive yeah and i mean i can't imagine no and i just think like you know there's a reason they're called confidence men like the confidence that it would take to say hey let's all go to morocco why don't you just put the flights on your credit card because i can't get the flights on my credit card something's weird it's not working so you put the flights on your- but don't worry about it i paid for the whole vacation you know after that and i'll pay you back for the right. flights to have the confidence to then take all your friends, go to this villa, have a great time, you know? Like knowing that you'll be stuck with them. Like if I am right. stuck with you in a foreign country in a hotel and you screw me like that, like it is, it's not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you are stuck with these people now. Well, yeah. And it's not like it was and an you, accident, you know? Right. It's not like, like she that went was there like, like premeditated. <laughs> it's like she just thought, well, I'll figure it out you know, when we get there, like, I'll just be able to figure it out. And she was able to just ask Rachel to cover the shopping expenses. Like it was no big deal. Like just the, like Rachel, how are you covering these shopping expenses? Like I just, on that Amex, you know? Yeah. On that Amex. She lost her job then I'm assuming too. Rachel probably. No, I think she still works at Vanity Fair because she wrote that article about it. You know, I think she was very upfront. Like when Anna Delvey got caught, it was a big deal. Like this was a big story. The New Yorker article is really what started it all. So if you want to read about Anna, I suggest starting with that New Yorker article. I'm just so intrigued. Yeah. Or I'm sorry. It's not the New Yorker. I've said the New Yorker a million times. It's New York Magazine. The article (laughs) in New York Magazine, different magazine. I think one of the reasons that people love scam stories is partly because the level of audacity of those people can just be so fascinating. But I also think they want to know what to watch out for. Like nobody wants to be the victim of a scam. It's first of all, it's embarrassing. 
You know, you, like Rachel, I'm sure, because hindsight is twenty twenty. you can look back on it and say, you know, why didn't you notice all these red flags? Why didn't you pick up on this and this? You were, you know, not smart. You made a, a mistake. You, it was a really dumb decision. It's really easy to say that in the moment about any scam that people get taken for. Like you're an idiot for falling for this story, but right. they are good yeah. at what they do. Yeah. They prey on exactly the right types of people, usually the elderly. So mm. with every episode, I try to lift up an organization that's doing good work to help people with whatever topic we're discussing that week. So there are so many resources for victims of financial fraud. So I want to point people towards the National Center for Victims of Crime who have a financial crime resource center. And from their website, they wanted to provide a resource for victim-centered services in the area of financial fraud. So they produced this guide called Taking Action, an Advocate's Guide to Assisting Victims of Financial Fraud. The guide is designed to provide advocates with practical victim-centered resources to help navigate the various options available for reporting crimes protecting other assets, preventing re-victimization. It also offers advice on how to assist with psychological and, where possible, financial recovery. It's usually really hard to recover your finances from con artists because, like I said, they don't have any money. The link to Taking Action, an Advocate's Guide to Assisting Victims of Financial Fraud, will be in our show notes. So please look there. Yes. Good to note. Yes. And... That is the story of Anna Delvey and how she, yeah, how she conned uh, her friends into funding her lavish lifestyle. So, so hmm. for more of us, for more of true crime creepers, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Creepers Pod. Um, if you'd like to give us case suggestions or if you have any feedback for any of our episodes, we would love to hear from you. We love your feedback. You can email us at creeperspod at gmail.com. And please, please, please review us on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. It really helps us grow the podcast. It's really the only way that our podcast can grow and find an audience is if you rate it and review it. So we would really appreciate it if you would do that. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to True Crime Creepers so you'll know exactly when our next episode drops, when I'll tell Mogab all about the story of Marissa Alexander, a Florida woman who was sentenced to 20 years in prison for firing a warning shot into her ceiling in an attempt to defend herself against her abusive husband. So tune in to find out how that happened. And don't be creepy or shady for that matter. Thank you.